Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Debbie, Mike, Judge Dorch, Bobby. Really appreciate everything that's gone on already in this service today for the special music. Thank you for blessing us this morning. We've already had some really special moments in this service this morning. And I'm so glad to be able to have this moment to be able to share God's word with you. We just came out of probably one of the the most important things we ever do in our worship service, and that's remembering the Lord's Supper, remembering his sacrifice for us. And you see, our lives are full of moments. But I ask you, what makes one moment in our life special? If you think back to the things that stand out in your life, the things you remember the most, what makes them memorable? What makes one moment different than another? Do you remember your very first job? Do you remember the first time you were handed a set of car keys or the first time you were handed your first car's keys? Or maybe if you've bought a house when you first were given keys and you unlocked that door for the first time. Maybe for you that that memory is the birth of a child. You remember where you were, you remember the circumstances surrounding it. Maybe it was a a marriage day. I have friends that this morning, they celebrated their 40-year anniversary. Many of you celebrate your anniversaries because you remember those days were special. So what makes a moment with God special? Well, like many of those other things in our lives, it's because they are life-changing I have two kids, one of them's in here with us right now, and I can tell you honestly my life has never been the same. It's been blessed in in immense ways because of that. And so when we have these special moments, these life-changing moments, it's because they are meaningful to us. And when we have those moments with God, it means that our life changes forever. And so this morning... I want to talk to you a little bit about the Holy Spirit. You might say, wait, it's interesting. We don't really talk much about the Holy Spirit in, in our church services. I mean, we know he's there, but you know, this will be interesting this morning. And I hope you'll stay tuned because I think we're going to have a really good discussion. We're going to look at God's word. And, and, and first thing we need to do is we need to identify What is the Holy Spirit? Many of us, and I even catch myself doing it sometimes when we refer to the Holy Spirit, we refer to him as an it. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit is a person. In fact, Jesus describes him as the comforter, as our advocate, as our counselor. He is the third part of the Trinity. He is equal with God the Father and God the Son. In fact, Jesus even said that it was better for him to leave, for Jesus to leave and return to heaven, because in that way, God would send his Holy Spirit to live with us. So where we are today is actually better than if Jesus were walking physically along with us, because we have God's Holy Spirit with us. So why don't we talk about him very much? Well, if you're in my Sunday school class, you know we've been talking about him a lot for the last few weeks. We've been doing a study on the Holy Spirit called The Forgotten God, Reversing Our Tragic Neglect of the Holy Spirit. 
So I want to talk about that just a little bit today. Why do we neglect him? Why don't we talk about him? And I think a lot of it probably goes back to fear. Now, some of us in this room this morning, as I've mentioned we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, you probably had like, okay, wait a minute. Where is he going with this? Is this about to get crazy in this service? Because you've seen other things where you talk about the Holy Spirit and it gets a little wild in there. Well, I will assure you of this. When we talk about the Holy Spirit this morning, we're going to talk about him biblically. We're going to look at what the Bible says and how it directs us to respond to the Holy Spirit. The third part of the Trinity. The person of God. You might say, okay, well, what does this mean for my life then? Maybe it's a little scary to think about that God's Spirit is actually here with us. That God's Spirit can dwell in us. You might think that you can hide something from God, but God's Word tells us that's not the case. That His Spirit is with us. You might ask, well, what would other people think? We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit this morning, but, you know, it's, it's not comfortable. I mean, it's one of those things where I believe in the Holy Spirit, but if I talk about him too much, then other people might think I'm just weird. You know, I, I want to be one of those normal Christians. I don't want to be one of those radical Christians that gets all crazy and does radical things. I just want to be a normal Christian today. Well, whatever our hang-ups might be, I would dare say this, and I think I can speak for all of us, that each one of us would want to see God more active in our lives. We want to see God's evidence in our lives more often than we do right now. And I think the reason why we don't see God moving more actively in our lives and in our church and in our families and our workplaces is because we've been ignoring the Holy Spirit. God gave us his Holy Spirit. But how much do we even think about him or know about him? So we need to be aware of the moments that God gives us in our life. And we have moments with his Holy Spirit. But let's go back to the beginning. Where do we first receive the Holy Spirit of God? If he is promised to us, then how do we get him? Well, the first text we're going to look at this morning is in Acts chapter 2. Verse 38, we're going to learn about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is that handing over the keys moment. It's our our baptism. When you are baptized into Christ, that means that you are given the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Some of us in this room have never even received the gift of the Holy Spirit because we have not made that decision to commit our lives to him through baptism. But it's that moment, like I said, when you get your first car keys and they drop them in your hand and you turn that engine, that car is yours. At baptism... We receive the forgiveness of our sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's nothing magical about the waters that are in here. They keep them clean and fairly warm, but there's nothing super special about them. It's it's a baptistry. But what's special about baptism is that you are pledging your faith to Jesus Christ. 
You are repenting of your sins and you are confessing them as your Lord. All those things tied together lead to eternal life. And so for some of us, we talk about the Holy Spirit, but we don't even have that initial gift of the Holy Spirit. And so maybe right off the bat, your first decision this morning is that you need to submit your life to Christ. You need to be baptized so that you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter goes on to say this awesome promise. He says, the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God will call to himself. See, the promise wasn't just 2,000 years ago. The promise is for you today. And every person has the opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Every person. But what does that mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Is this like an intellectual thing where you get more knowledge of God? Is this an emotional thing where you feel him more? Is this a behavioral thing where your lifestyle changes? Does this affect your speech? Does this affect how you live? Well, the answer is yes. Being filled with the Holy Spirit affects every aspect of your life. The Bible gives us this really interesting image in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says, Don't be drunk with wine. Because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we might not know what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But I bet you you can picture what it looks like for someone to be drunk with wine. You may have seen someone drunk with wine. You may have been drunk before in your life. You may have alcoholism in your family. You know that alcoholism affects every single part of the person's life. From their attitude, their behavior, to the way they think, to their priorities. Every single thing about an alcoholic affects their life. And the Bible says that it it leads to destruction. It will ruin your life. But it says instead, on the one hand, you've got a lifestyle that will ruin your life. But instead of that lifestyle, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that will give you life. So the image there is almost like you should be as controlled by the Holy Spirit as an alcoholic is by alcohol. Now with that in mind, look at the next verses in verse 19 and 20. He goes on to say, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Doesn't that sound like the way a drunk person would behave? But this person isn't drunk on wine. This person is filled with the Holy Spirit, giving thanks to God and everything, giving thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that image, because if you want to know what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it means that the Holy Spirit guides every single aspect of your life. Now, some of us today, we have other things that we're filled with. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's a sinful lifestyle, maybe it's lust, maybe it's pride, maybe it's our work, maybe it's our sense of self-worth, maybe we fill ourselves with all these other things that the Bible says will lead to death and ruin your life. But instead, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, if we truly want to be set free, we don't need more self-help, We don't need more therapy, though those are great things, don't get me wrong. I 
definitely think there are great tools to lead to freedom. But the ultimate answer is that we've got to get rid of the stuff that takes us away from God in our lives, and we have to submit to the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we'll be set free. Jesus tells this parable. He said there was a man who had demons, had evil spirits living in his house. And he cleaned the house and he swept it clean and he made everything look new. But yet he didn't fill it with God's spirit. So that when those evil spirits came back, they found the house swept and kept in order and they moved back in. See, we don't need to replace bad habits with more bad habits. If you want to try to get rid of smoking in your life, don't replace it by overeating. No, if you have something you need to let go of, you need to fill it, replace it with the Holy Spirit. And then you'll find freedom. And that word be filled, that phrase be filled is interesting because it's in the perfect tense. Which means that it's an ongoing command. It's not just a one-time thing. Sure, you get filled with the Holy Spirit when you're baptized. He comes to dwell in your heart. But being filled with the Holy Spirit is an ongoing thing. And it's a command. If you're a follower of Jesus, you don't have an option. You are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. Ongoing. So what does that mean? How do you, be, how do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? Do I need to come up here and get baptized every single day? No, you don't. Baptism is a one-time event. It is a moment. It's that moment where you commit your life to Christ. But the ongoing filling of the Spirit involves two things. Number one is confessing your sin. If you have sin in your life, that will guarantee block the activity of the Spirit in your life. So if you have sin that needs to be confessed, if it's individual sin, if it's between you and God, if it's some kind of a private matter, then you need to confess it to the Lord right now. If it's between you and someone else, then you need to go to that person. You need to make the first step. And you need to ask for forgiveness. If it's a public kind of sin where maybe your whole family has been affected, then you might need to make a public confession. But unconfessed sin is a surefire way to quench the activity of the Spirit in our lives. But you can't just get rid of sin. You also have to yield to God. You have to submit to His leading. Romans chapter 8, verse 12 through 14 says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by it by its dictates, you will die. There it is again in Scripture. If you follow your sinful nature, it will lead to death. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation, it says. No obligation. But if through the power of Of the spirit you put to death, the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. Once again, if you're filling yourself with the wrong things in your life, it will ruin you. The only way to overcome your sins and your struggles is to be filled and led by the Holy Spirit. But being led by the Holy Spirit is so much more than not sinning. 
No, it's an active type thing. Let me, let me give you an illustration. Okay. If I were to tell you this morning that God had empowered me with the gifts of the greatest basketball player ever to live, well, after you got done laughing, you would expect me to demonstrate that kind of claim, wouldn't you? And it wouldn't just be my defense. You would expect me to be slam dunking and be shooting threes and making every single shot, half court, full court. It wouldn't matter. You'd expect me to demonstrate this, right, if I'm going to make that kind of a claim. How many Christians today make the claim that the Holy Spirit lives inside them, but yet nothing in their life demonstrates it? We need to be actively following the Holy Spirit. In order to be led by the Spirit, that means we need to be open to new opportunities. We need to submit to Spirit-led moments in our life. Those moments come up all the time where God might prompt you to say something to someone or to pray for someone or to help someone. Look at this image here on the screen. This image has become kind of like the image of the Hurricane Harvey relief effort. This is the Houston police SWAT officer, Daryl Huddock, and he's carrying a mother and a baby, Mother Catherine Pham and her son Aiden, to safety after their home had been surrounded by floodwaters. And you see an image like this, and you're inspired. I mean, it's inspired so many people to want to get involved, and maybe you've already gotten involved in the relief efforts in Houston and Texas and, and throughout Louisiana. Maybe you've donated money already, or you've sent supplies, and and absolutely, I love the response of Christians when there's a big tragedy in our world like that. I think back to Hurricane Katrina, what, 12 years ago now. And I see the church on the forefront of the relief efforts. I know many of you have been asking how you can get involved, how you can help. What do they need? I'm in several uh, Facebook groups where people are asking you know, what churches are there that, that need things? How can we get involved with them? How can we contact the Red Cross? Can we send groups of people there? And absolutely, when there is a big tragedy, we as Christians should step up. We should respond because that's what we're called to do. But we can't just wait for these big life-changing moments like that to be led by the Spirit. We need to be led by the Spirit continually. Every single day. That means in the small things as well as the big. My preacher growing up, he always had this phrase, and it stuck with me, and I remember it, and, and, and maybe you even heard me say it before, I, I can't remember. But it was simply this. Never ignore a generous prompting. When you are prompted by the Holy Spirit to do something, to say a kind word, to give a meal to someone, to offer to give them a ride, to take that extra shift so they can go home and rest. Whatever it is, if you are prompted to do something generous in the name of the Lord, do it. Don't talk yourself out of it. And we come up with all these excuses. Well, I don't know, that might be awkward, or they might not really need it, or uh, I need that money for something else. If the Holy Spirit is prompting you, then we should obey. Plain and simple. And the more and more that we obey the promptings and the leading of the Holy Spirit, the sooner we find ourselves walking in the Spirit. 
We've talked about being filled. We've talked about being led by. But it goes on to actually being walking in the Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 16 and 25 says, But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Now, walking with the Spirit is scary because that involves a lifestyle. Now, moments we're okay with because we have these moments with God and, and they change our lives and they're great and they're awesome, these mountaintop experiences. Maybe you went to a revival, maybe you went to a church camp or, or something, in, in a concert, and you felt really close to the Lord and then you went back to your everyday life. And in some ways, we kind of like that because it means we're still in control. We're still guiding where our life is heading. And then when we feel kind of distant from God, we we crave those moments again. We want to seek more of those moments. But pay attention to that phrase, live by the Spirit. We have to live. And you can't just live on moments that are scattered throughout your life. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to eat only once a week. And you might be able to survive doing that, but it wouldn't be much of a life. I want to eat more than that. Now, in order to live, we need more of God's spirit. One of the characteristics of life and biology is that life involves movement. If something is alive, there is something moving Now, the interesting thing, though, we're all called to live our lives and to move. But many of us, we are moving in the wrong direction or we don't even know where we're moving. Look at this video. The Bible describes us oftentimes as sheep. Not going to work, is it? It was in the slide. There you go. Now, I don't think it was a coincidence that Jesus sometimes refers to us as sheep and that he's the good shepherd. Because sometimes we get to spin in our lives. We get to follow in the wrong things. And we just get to run in circles like that. Now, if we're going to actually follow God, we need to let him lead. Not us direct or dictate how we want God to act in our lives. We need to submit to where God wants to lead us. Then we'll have the right kind of movement in our lives. We'll be moving in the right direction. You see, because movements are better than moments. You can't sustain a life on those moments. But you can with a movement of the Spirit. See, here's the great thing about a moment. They're special. You think about your baptism. We had a great example last week of Jack's submitting his life, getting baptized into Christ. We think about those mountaintop experiences. We think about those big events or those big times where we really felt close to the Lord. 
And they're special to us. And we should have those. There's nothing wrong with having those. But the problem with moments is that they're special. We look for these moments in our lives over and over again. We get disappointed in the daily grind. Because every day isn't a mountaintop experience. Every day you're not moved like you were on the day of your baptism. Sometimes life is difficult. That's where we need to be led by the Spirit every single day. We need to walk in step with the Spirit. We need to follow Him, not direct Him. Let me ask you this. If Jesus returned today, is there anything in your life that you would be embarrassed about? Is there anything in your life where you kind of wished, yeah, I don't really want him to see that? Or what if you knew Jesus was returning tomorrow? Is there anything you would clean up today? Is there any relationship you would go and fix? Is there anything you've been putting off that you would go do? If you can think of something in either of those scenarios, that's where you need to start. That's what you need to submit to the Lord, and that's where you need to let him lead instead of you taking the lead. And it might be scary. You might say, but that's just too hard. That, that's too radical. You're asking me to do too much. Well, if I'm honest, I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know where God will lead you. I don't know what he'll call you to do. I don't know what pain you're going to have to go through to let go of the sin in your life. I don't know what that's going to look like. And it might feel overwhelming. It might feel like it's too much. But I do know this. You can never have too much Holy Spirit. If there's some area in your life you need to turn over to him, then don't wait any longer because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. You might say, well, that'll be too painful. Well, the Holy Spirit does not seek to hurt us, but he does seek to make us more Christ-like. And sometimes that can be painful, but I promise you this, the end result is the life you were created to live. If we want to change the world, it's going to take more than moments. It's going to take a movement of God's spirit. And it begins with you. And it begins with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would move in our lives. We confess there are areas that we don't want to give up. We don't want to give you control because we like being in control. Let's just be honest. But God, all those things that we try to do, they lead to our destruction. So God, no matter what needs to happen, I pray that you would move in our lives. That you would lead and that we would walk by your spirit. God, there's people here today that are hurting. I know you know what those needs are. I pray that you would meet them right where they're at.
that you would reveal yourself and lead them to healing, to new life, to restoration, to the life that they were made to live. And that we would move by the Spirit. That those promptings we've been ignoring, that we would ignore them no longer. And we would follow you with all of our hearts. Fill us up this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.